accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We are continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're up to the 13th episode of the third season. I think we're halfway through it by now. Uh, it is called Life Support. Teleplay goes to Ronald D. Moore. Story goes to Christian Ford and Roger Sofie. Directed by Reza Badi, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Aired on the 30th of January, 1995. In this episode, after a serious accident, Bashir struggles to save the life of Vedic Baral, while Kai Wen concludes a peace treaty with Cardassia. Jake and Nog reluctantly explore the differences between Federation and Ferengi cultures. Just going to be me talking about this one because we got to get back on track. Although I think I picked a good episode for only me to talk about, uh, but we'll get into it. I'm going to play an audio clip. Welcome back, and I am going to break down my thoughts about life support. Barile. Yes, Major? How are you feeling? Awake? Everything is different. Different? In what way? It's hard to explain. But when you touch me, it doesn't seem real. It's more like the distant memory of a touch. All right, so here we are talking about life support. The episode of Deep Space Nine that is the 13th episode of the third season. Um, Life support is, I guess... You know, I, I said at the top that I was happy to be talking about this one because I think that it is an episode that maybe doesn't really inspire a lot of discussion or anything about it. There's nothing particularly interesting that goes on here. It's more interesting in the fact that life support is, at this point, a episode of the show that's filled with everything that the show does badly or wrong on some level. Um, and it's it's unique in that it almost it covers almost every single aspect of what goes on in this 45 minutes of television. Um, I don't think anything works really well in this episode. It's not a terrible failure of a show. It's not a complete waste of time in the way that some of like, uh, the ones on our scale are, in my opinion. Because this one is somewhat important. Uh, you could say that this is a very important episode for the overall Bajor storyline. But it's not an episode of the show... That really seizes on the strengths of what the franchise can do and what the series can do. It's more mired in everything that is failing and not particularly good. So I think that the place to start that is the Bajoran storyline, which when the show started, the Bajoran storyline was like the prime setup for the DS9 adventures that were taking place. Bajor was seen as a prominent thing. Um, the planet and its politics were important. We had a couple episodes where we went down to Bajor, we met the Bajoran people, we learned what they're all about. Uh, you could argue that we don't actually learn all that much about the Bajorans for how much time they spend on them in the early seasons, but Bajor felt important early on, and the show is increasingly disinterested in Bajor. Uh, despite the, the whole reason to be there for Deep Space Nine is to, um, sort of shepherd Bajor into the Federation, that's kind of lost focus on some level. It never really had a tremendous amount of focus. I don't think the show ever really considered it that important or was that interested in it. And that goes all the way down to how boring a lot of the Bajoran stuff comes across as. It seems like the writers aren't actually interested in it. And 
The Burial and Wynn and Bajoran storyline is a part of that in that it was there from the beginning and it started to just sort of fade into nothingness. They haven't had a lot of time, but I mentioned this on a previous episode. Whenever they get brought up, it feels like they're coming out of nowhere and you don't have any sense of what's going on in Bajor. Here it's ridiculous that they've been negotiating a Cardassian peace treaty for a while. I think this is the first time we've ever learned about that or heard about that and that problem is resolved in an episode. And it feels a lot like the Bajoran arc just gets dropped in. It's kind of analogous to um, the Mirror episodes in DSI. It feels like the show believes it's obligated to include Bajoran stuff, and I feel like it's more obligated to include Bajoran stuff than Mirror Universe, because if they never did another Mirror Universe episode from here on out, I wouldn't really care, but they couldn't just drop the Bajoran storyline. So... While they seem interested in going back to the Mirror Universe, they're less interested in the Bajoran stuff, but they feel like they're forced to sort of reconcile it. And that's what happens here with the character of Beryl, who the show has decided that they want to get rid of because uh, according to all the behind-the-scenes production talk, they weren't really happy with what the direction of what the character was. And that makes a lot of sense. They've been building up this Odo relationship with Kira storyline, and Beryl kind of stands in the way there, and he stands in the way in as uninteresting a way as possible. <laughs> he doesn't really... There is no story to Beryl. It's really kind of surprising. He is a bland performance paired with a unnecessary reason of being. He, and he really lost his reason to be when he um, lost the election in that Bajoran episode, or Kira figure, finds out that uh, the Cardassian... I forget which episode that was, where the uh, the Cardassians had attacked a resistance outpost and Beryl admitted that he had done it, but he was doing it to cover up for Kai Opaka, and then Wynn was elected Kai. Um, ever since then, he has not had a reason to be here. He's never really worked with Kira on any level, or the show has never explained what they see in each other, although you could come up with headcanon as to why they would be together. The show does not seem to care about why they would be together. And... His characterization represents the whole of the failure of the Bajoran arc to this point. And I think that, I think it's okay to say that the Bajoran storyline is kind of a failure at this point for the show, which is fine because it's not the most interesting of storylines, but it's really something that is surprising that they moved away from so quickly. And it's surprising that they never really got their feet settled with what they wanted to talk about that storyline in any sort of context with how it would fit into the larger universe. It was brought up as sort of a uh, table-setting thing and then forgotten about almost immediately. And Wynn kind of fits into that. Wynn would, will continue to appear on the series, but Kai Wynn, the performance... I think Kai Wen is written to be duplicitous, like the scene where Bashir accuses her of being a coward, and she says, I'll remember this until the day I die, and he says, I will remember what you say till the day I die, and then they march out. Um, I think she's supposed to be written that way, where she is a duplicitous, uh, ends justify the means, looking out for herself character, in the way that Dukat kind of is. She's kind of the Bajoran version of Dukat. But the performance is weird, because... I think the performance the performance makes her come across as though she is incompetent in what she's doing. And I don't know if that's the really the best setup for that character. I don't know if you want this duplicitous ends justify the means, gonna do anything to make sure that I come out on top character is really good with 
not being in control of the situation. I, they have some ridiculous scenes where, you know, Beryl is apparently helping the negotiations and she's like, oh, I need Beryl. He's the only one. And he tells her something. He's like, no, we, we gave up that Cardassian concession thing three weeks ago at that talk. It's like he, he provides this level of information that maybe a computer would be able to sort of help her out with. There's no, it's not that he's a master negotiator. It seems that he just kind of remembers what they talked about in previous meetings. And it, it, it's really strange and dumb and non, um, there's no conflict there. There's nothing like, there's no story drive to that, that you don't really get a good sense of why he's important to her. Um, and her coming across as incompetent in that way really undermines her as someone who you can respect getting into that position or that the show should respect as a villain. She comes across as really a bad villain because she is out of control of so much, and her only villainous comes from the fact that she's willing to let Beryl die. And I think that's pretty weak. For this character, I think the performance needs to be much more of a confident Kai who is a little bit more obviously evil on some face of things. Like, there can't be this wishy-washiness because we've had too many experiences with in previous episodes. There can't be this wishy-washiness anymore. The station should know what she's up to. Kira should know what she's up to. Everyone should treat her differently, but instead they treat her sort of as a doddering old woman who is just kind of in over her head. She can't really handle this kind of thing until Bashir comes in and says his accusations against her or why she's letting Burrell die and all that. And then her true face kind of comes out. But then it just goes back in the next scene where she's in sick bay again and everything's back to normal with everyone pretending that this is all on the up and up. And it's just really unsatisfying. I think it's really poorly written. Um, and she's just not working as a villain. And in, in the context of all the other villains that they've kind of come up with, which would be the, the founders or uh, Gul Dukat, the Cardassians, things like that, they are all portrayed much more appealingly than Kai Wen is. And so it's a weird weak spot, which ties into the whole Bajoran subplot not really working at all. Um, the other thing about this episode is it's a it's a failure of concept. I, one of the reviews I was reading about it uh, sort of said this very, it's not particularly uh, incis uh, incisive or cutting criticism, but I think it's true. Uh, Burial and the episode are both better in theory than in execution which I talked about why that would be the case with Burial. I think that the episode perfectly fits that mold too, because if this was, if you cared about the Bajoran arc, this is a fine episode. And it might even be, if you had the same episode, it might even improve itself if we were aware of and cared about where the Bajorans were coming from. If they weren't this sort of tertiary, we're going to stop in every once in a while and you'll forget about us when we're gone story. If this was had a better consistency in the background, you would feel something for Burial's death. And the episode actually has a better ending than it deserves. The final scene is really good, and that's what they're trying to go for the entire show, which is never amounts to anything like that because you don't care about Burial on any level, and you don't really care about their relationship. You care about Kira. Uh, you like Kira, and you mostly feel bad that she's sad, but split from the context of Burial, it would stand on its own as being like, oh, I don't want Kira to be sad. and. It just doesn't really work on the way that the show thinks it should. And they, they pair it with that Jake and Nog B story, which is like a pure comedy, uh, kind of a cringe comedy on some way. But 
they pair that very goofy, silly Ferengi getting to know human story, which is nice because we've we've heard throughout the uh, entire series that Jake and Nog should not be getting along as well as they do. There should be some sort of strife there. This is really the first episode, I think, that approaches that and examines what that would mean. Um, but pairing it with the Brile death story is a bad A-B pairing, which is something that DS9 has had trouble doing. And the second season was like one of the big flaws of the second season was the schizophrenic episodes or whatever we call them, where the B-plot would not match up with the A-plot on any level and it would come across as really distracting when you were watching it. It's distracting here, although... I wonder if the B plot is better. It's just the B the B plot is the Ferengi culture is tough because for as much as the show is trying to humanize the Ferengi and make them uh something palatable, their their views are almost too overt and too sledgehammery. Like they it almost feels out of character when they talk about women or female characters. Um I know they're trying to make a point there, but maybe I'm just asking too much of the show. I feel like it needs more subtlety than what you get here, which is like stupid bitch, like cut up my food. And it's it's uh, it's nice to see Lisa Turtle first and foremost make an appearance. I think this is her first appearance. I have to say by the bell ended um, as Leanne, I think her name is. Um, but the Ferengi stuff. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right. I I probably have a tough time explaining it, but it, when the show handles the Ferengi stuff, it's a little bit more subtle than what they do here. And it always feels like if the show wants to really demonstrate Ferengi differences from humans, it goes into the sexist female stuff because it's an old standby and it's very easy to exaggerate to draw these kind of conclusions. And because you never see any Ferengi women really, you don't get a sense of it. It's very similar to how the show is handling the Bajoran aspect. You don't see this enough to make it seem like it's not something that they just pull out of their ass whenever they need something like the Bajorans are being pulled out whenever they need a Bajoran storyline will make up something drop them in the Ferengi attitudes towards sexism and equality between the sexes feels artificial when they bring it up um and it's just kind of unfortunate and tying into the the schizophrenic thing of that nature is whose episode should this have been um, it can't be about Brile. Brile is too boring. Brile is so boring that when they are like, he's going to be a robot from now on, and he wakes up, he talks exactly the same. <laughs> he t- robot robot Brile is no different from normal Brile, uh, which really I think uh, really ruined what they were trying to do there. Like the 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 script obviously wants it to be a drastic difference, where he is like he's unrecognizable as the same person he was. He's just like a a cadaver that has come alive. Um, I think the inspiration here was Frankenstein, uh, which makes sense. D- but it doesn't. He just comes across as Burial talking about how he can't remember what it's like to hold hands, and it, it's really, it's really not good. So Burial being that kind of boring uh, stuff can't be the lead. You don't care about that character enough. Kira could have been a lead of the story. It could have been about her uh, change, accepting these changes and her dealing with the Bajoran government that's taken hold and the new Kai and having to deal with losing Burial. It's not really about Kira. Kira's curiously in the background. It's, it's basically a Bashir episode. And I think it's maybe the best Bashir-focused episode that we've seen so far. Because his... It's a good Doctor episode. Like, the, 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 the in theory, the 
idea here that Bashir being unwilling to go as far as uh, people need him to go because he feels medically conflicted about what he's doing, which is basically keeping someone alive um, beyond what they reasonably should be held alive for and wondering whether or not uh, the pain and suffering that he's causing is going to be outweighed by the positives of this Cardassian-Bajoran peace treaty. Um, that's a good storyline for Bashir. I think Bashir shines here, especially in the uh, confronting win in the conference room. That's probably the best scene in the episode. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if the character, I don't know if this should have been a Bashir episode based on how personal the story is supposed to be. It probably should have been a Kira episode. And shifting it to Bashir further just removes Burial from being a point of something that the audience should care about in his relationship to Kira moves it into a more of a kind of boring medical drama where any character could have been this character and it would have meant the same thing to Bashir at the very end of the story. And they just plaster Brile in there because they have to get rid of Brile anyway. So I think all of the execution there is poorly done, even though the idea could have been serviceable if you went in any of these different directions with it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not an episode that I wasn't, I wasn't terrified or thought it was horrible, but it was a, I spent most of it just thinking, yeah, this is really, this is really not very good. This is what the show does worse at this point. These are like all the bad issues of the show. Um, but that's it. Uh, I'm going to take a break. I'll play an audio clip. We'll come back. I'll give my final thoughts. We'll read some patron thoughts, see if anyone had anything different to say, and then we will call it a day. If I remove the rest of his brain and replace it with a machine... He may look like Beryl. He may even talk like Beryl. But he won't be Beryl. That spark of life will be gone. He'll be dead. And I'll be the one who killed him. But if we do nothing, he'll die. That's right, he will. But he'll die like a man, not a machine. Please. Don't make me fight you on this one. Just let him go. How much time? All brain activity should cease within the next three hours. I'd like to stay with him till then. Of course. All right, so life support. Not a very good episode. It's kind of an end of an era, though. Brile is gone. That's important. Uh, but really, not a very good episode. And, you know, I've just talked for about 20 minutes about the whole reason why I think that this kind of the Bajoran storyline is an interesting failure at this point that they really can't reconcile. Um, they can't really abandon it and they can't go forward with it because they're not interested in it. So it's a uh, kind of a rock and a hard place. But We'll read some patron thoughts. If you support the show on patreon.com and you're at the uh, Ensign level and up, you can leave feedback. I think everyone's at the Ensign level, so this isn't really discriminatory. But if you're at the Ensign level, uh, you can leave feedback about the upcoming episodes. We'll read them on the show and react to them. Christian Pouch says, Life support. Burial is an attempt at a Zen, man of the people, down-to-earth priest character that whiffs for two reasons. One, miscasting. The actor comes across as flat and boring instead of stoic and Zen. Two, we really don't explore the Bajorans very much. For being so central to the series, how much does DS9 actually develop the details of their religion? We can't compare Burial to anyone because we don't know what everyone else is, except for Wynne, who is herself an 
uh, and quote-unquote other compared to the quote-unquote mainstream. Life support suffers because we don't care about Burial very much. Even zombie cyborg Burial doesn't actually seem that different. We also don't still don't understand the Burial Kira dynamic. At least Visitor pull, pulls off her role in this pretty well. Pretty much. Um, actually, I hadn't read these comments before I started, but yeah, Christian and I pretty much agree I do I, I think. There's nothing really else I can say about that one. Um, he does whiff. He's a... He's a poorly... It would be good to do, I think... Once I'm done with the third season, I'll do like a sort of where we stand with DS9 stuff. But it's it's been interesting to re-examine what characters don't work and what characters do work. I think Burial would be on the top of the list for characters that don't work in this series. Um, and so they got rid of him. Obviously, I think the production team was aware of the problem and they cut the cord. So let's see here. Zam Nuclear Wessel writes, Life support. I'm in the minority that have always liked Burial, so I'm always sorry to see him go down here. Still, it's a serviceable drama, and the glimpse of Wynn overwhelmed by the demands of the job she wanted is timely. Burial's relationship with Kira was unevenly written, but the awkwardness interested me to the where, where she's a little reverent of him, and he's a little afraid of her, and that put it above average Trek romantic, above the average Trek romantic relationship, an easy bar, admittedly. If nothing else, I think it's loads better than her later parents. Um, so, the interesting... Uh, the interesting thing I think you mentioned there, Zam, is when overwhelmed by the demands of the job. Um, we probably just disagree about that. I'd be interested to know what people think of when to this point. I wonder if I'm in the minority about liking her or not, because I, I, I feel like the performance is always praised, and I don't think it should be. It feels like the production staff told all of the Bajoran Vedic and Wynn characters to act very stoic and wooden, uh, because Louise Fletcher plays her role the same as Burial is playing his. I don't understand why they did that. It's very cliche and uninteresting uh, from a dramatic standpoint. But I don't know. I don't think Wynn works. Wynn is not a good villain. Uh, the characters don't interact with her well. She doesn't feel threatening to me. I'm not sure. But anyway, thank you for, uh, for writing in. Stephen Cobb's life support. The writers finally leaned into the robotic acting and monotone delivery of Burial. Burrell's story has a passing similarity to TNG's ethics, but is typical with DS9. It takes on a dark, ambiguous turn, with Wynn's insistence and questionable motives. I felt like Jake's acting in this episode was pretty good, and the writing for Jake and Nog was well done, something that Star Trek normally does not do well for children. Sure, it's a bit over the top, but not by much. That said, the A and B stories had nothing to do with each other. I felt like the Jake Nog storyline was a separate episode. Yeah, um, I think Jake is good at this point. Nog is fine. Uh, the two girls were fine in this they're they aren't really uh they aren't really required to be characters here uh they're just kind of stand-ins to create a conflict between jake and nog but i still think the nog frankie stuff is over the top um it's a little bit more subtlety would go there um it's border <laughs> it's borderline weird it's one of those things it's one of those weird scenes too where uh, someone says something and then another character is supposed to be whispering to them, except they're all sitting at the same table. So you wonder why the other people aren't chiming in uh, as if they can hear them. I don't know. I don't find it. It's it's more of a world building thing than anything, right? Because the storyline doesn't really resolve itself. Cisco has this moment of being like, well, I was wrong saying all the Frangier are bad people. Uh, they're just different. Which is funny because he says that in the episode where I think this is the worst portrayal of Ferengi we've seen so far. Um... But Nog is young, I guess you could make that argument, and 
you know, young hookups. Uh, maybe this actually went well for a version of a young hookup that could be going on. Um, he wants her to choose food for him, and he says, and he laughs at her for, isn't she so stupid? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, the Frankie will be developed more going forward, but it's just, uh, it's just odd. Let's see. Life support. Eric McGowan says, life support. I don't hate Beryl like others do, but they never, never did properly figure out his character or his role on the show. And this episode epitomizes that given the poor acting, exploring the character actions and his interactions with Kira. Ultimately, he will not be missed. Yes. Yes. I would, uh, I would 100% agree with that, that he's not really going to be missed. And it's almost odd that they don't actually show him dead at the end, because I think you could have watched this and left this episode thinking that he will survive somehow and make it back into the next episode. Uh, let's see here. Sorry, apologize. I should have highlighted these things. Do do life support. Chad Wiley. The title of the episode is a pretty good summary of Burrell's performance throughout the show. The not visitor does her best to convince us that we should be sad at the end of the episode, but I doubt anyone really is. Also, I found Kai Wynn to be weirdly whiny and incompetent in this episode. Oh, excellent. Thank you, Chad. After all the scheming she did to get to her current position, she gives off a deer in headlights vibe. Uh, he's not done. Apparently, but I'll pause there to just say yes. I think that's that's a good way of explaining what my problem is. She She should not be this incompetent in the face of what's going on. She has been scheming for years and decades, maybe, to get to this point, playing everyone like a harp from hell only to be thrown off because the guy who remembers details from meetings or like agenda uh, or meeting notes person was inca- incapacitated, that that feels really weak. That's not good enough for me. Apparently, Federation technology progresses pretty fast since just a few years ago, Data's positronic brain was a scientific marvel, and now Bashir can just scoop out someone's brain and plop into one, uh, into the, one into their skull with no problems. Nobody even comments on it, which makes me wonder how many positronic cyborgs are wandering around the Federation these days. Yeah, um, positronic cyborgs will be needed to counter a certain infiltration, I think, that's coming on in the future. Right? But uh, thank you, Chad, very much for writing in. Uh, I say thank you very much because I strongly agree with you. <laughs> um, let's see here. Kyle Barrett, life support. Probably one of the most boring episodes of DS9. Although, Kyle, I think you said that about Second Sight. Second Sight is more boring than this episode, I think. I wonder if you'd agree. There's nothing egregious, but it's just so dull. It's nice to see Nog in those weird surgical suits made out of carpet again, but that's about it. I do have a question, however. Don't you think it's weird we haven't seen Michael Eddington since the season premiere? I know he'll return for his own arc, but considering he's the head of Starfleet Security on the station, it's odd the writers haven't included him in any episodes and won't appear until the tail end of the season. It is. I mean. If you were watching this the first time through, would you just assume that him being introduced in the search is something that was recalled after the events of the search? I think I would. They they don't even mention him. So I don't think he really, you know, if you understand my meaning, I don't think he really even exists in the show at this point. He's He was introduced, but I don't think they had planned to do anything with him because you never see him. He's never brought up. Um, it's almost like they forgot to tie up the thread that said Michael Eddington got recalled back to Earth after the events of the search. I think it was the search that he was in. It is weird, though, right? I don't know why I introduced that character in that way and then not do anything with him for a while. Although, uh, it seems they're reticence on the part to do anything because the Dominion don't come back for a while, and the Vorta, I think, only reappear in, like, the end of Season 4. So it takes a long time for them to come back. It's very, it's, it's weird. I think the show is just unsure of where to go. Uh, Matthew Ross says, Life support, the end of Bishop Deadeyes. I don't know how to feel... 
I don't know how to feel. Happy? Eh, whatevs. Gives Kira and Odo time to develop their weird relationship. Basically, who the hell does the Doctor think he is? Didn't he read the script to TOS in Star Trek 2? The needs of the many, Doctor. Sheesh. I enjoyed the story and was waiting for an, uh, the other shoe to drop on Kai Wynn being the saboteur, but she has grown as a character and seemed generally concerned and yearning for the treaty. Yes, Burial is a scapegoat if things went south. Shut up, Bashir. Just why are the are the surgical gowns red anyway? Homage to Gundex to hide blood. I don't know what Gundex are. And was the brain replacement uh, learned with lol or data? I was thinking it would have been mildly humorous if he woke and said, we are the Borg. Um, the, I think Bashir's, Bashir's ethical concern here makes sense because I think it's a good beat for Bashir on some level. We've talked about him being the most Star Trek-y character, and I think that this is a good conflict that shows him a little bit of a deviation from that needs of the many argument, where Bashir is unwilling to go against a patient's wishes, but he is willing to sort of work the background to make the patient change his mind, which is what he tries to do with Kai Wen. I think that's interesting. I think that's a good uh, way to go about that storyline. And lastly, Gerald Swain says, Life support. Good riddance. An utterly boring and dull goodbye episode for an utterly boring and dull character. Thank you, Gerald. But uh, I don't disagree. Um, the the Burrell thing is funny. I feel like it's... I, I'm almost... We've seen so many bad Dax episodes that now I feel awkward when we criticize Dax because it feels like it's piling on. Burrell kind of feels the same way. I know I just spent 20 minutes uh, talking about how bad of a character he is, but... It's true. It's there's only so much you can say at some point before you're just like, you know what? It's just this was just a misfire. It was a bad idea. And Gerald uh, summed that up nicely, I think. So that's about it. I'm going to give this episode a two. Um, it's not a one because ones are really bad. And this episode would have worked if they had this episode would have been multiple times improved if the Bajoran arc was not in the background. And I actually cared about Barile. It's not a failure of an idea. Um, it's more a failure of not properly developing these characters in the backstory. And as DS9 dips into serialization, it's going to come up with problems like this where it doesn't really, it wants to tell a story with the characters, but it doesn't develop them sufficiently in the background because it, other things take priority. I think this is the big example of that. The Bajoran arc is something that faded into the background. And even though the, sh the show is serialized at this point, they don't know how to balance the various parts of what's going on. So some of it falls apart because you don't see things enough. Some of it is overrepresented. Uh, some of it, they go one way and then they're going to have to flip it later on. And this is uh, one of the examples, not of that, but of the, uh, the former mention. Anyway, thank you very much. I'm going to give it a two. It could have been improved. It could have been a lot better. It's not horrible. I watched it thinking it was fine. The ending is solid. It's a good final scene. Uh, the Bashir and Win scene is good. That's a very strong thing. Uh, bad parts would be Brile as a robot, <laughs> Brile in general. Uh, let's pile on some more. And the Nog and Jake storyline, uh, which, despite Lisa Turtle being present, is kind of a letdown and doesn't really amount to much, which happens a lot in the Jake and Nog stuff. They don't really have stories so much as character beats that they aren't, um, they aren't plot problems that they go through. They're, they're like a day in the life kind of thing. Which is fine. It's just it's not it's not the best B story to pair with an A story like that. Thank you very much. It's a two out of five for me. 
Thank you, patrons, for leaving your comments and your feedback. If you guys support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you get to leave your feedback. Um, you can do that on the posts that are there. It's a pinned tweet on top of my Twitter. You can go to Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to Discord. I spend less time on Twitter now because we've got the Discord channel. Uh, and I really like the, the Discord channel. We talk about the Star Trek. We talk about Real Ripe and Real Rotten, the other, uh, the other podcast me and Clay do. Um, it's good. It's just a general thing. It's a little simple program you download. It's like Skype, only it's got a little chat room type function. Uh, go to Discord, blah, 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 Patreon. Those are the big ones. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Much appreciated. If you don't want to uh, support the show like that, if you don't want to do Patreon or Discord, uh, the least we ask that you could do is maybe just go to iTunes, leave an iTunes rating. I'd love to get to like 40 reviews on iTunes. It's just a random goal. I don't even know if it really matters all that much in this day and age, but it'd be nice to get the show bumped up a little bit in iTunes. That's it. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, And as always, let me do here. The captain level patrons get their shout out. I occasionally forget to mention to do this, and maybe that's for the best because uh, maybe ending this with the list every every episode would be a bit too much. But very special thanks go to Stephen Cobb, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Kaolog, Matthew Cutler, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Eric Johnson, Nathan Elliott, Ewan Tibbetts, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Carrier Mobility, Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Venler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango. Tark Latif. Thank you very much, guys. You are terrific for supporting the show to that level. Uh, but every patron is is great, but you guys get your shout out at the end. Uh, you have the opportunity to come on and do guesting on the podcast, which we've got a couple of those coming up in the near future. I think that's it. Apologies for this being a me only episode, but I think it was the right episode to miss. Uh, so when I come back and I do improbable cause and the die is cast by myself, you can yell at me then. But. Uh, for life support I think that we're okay with just me talking about this thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time